wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the, the two, two of, of us. us. You and you I. And I. Well, we did say there was going to be something new, didn't we? Something it's huge. People, people around the world were saying we love when the two of you sing. Liz Jackson said she's never heard such beautiful music. Jessica Wallace said the same when we sang Miss Jackson. So we, we brought it. Brought the, well, brought the professional for notch. Did it, that's, did that, it right? That's the, that's the great idea she can have when you're stuck in a car together for hours and hours. <laughs> funny funny couple of days wasn't it buddy yeah. back, back to normal but meeting people that was bloody fun very good went, went very to good. nil went to nil you got to speak about sheep for two minutes and you realize <laughs> nobody gives a shit about sheep <laughs> uh, well uh, there's someone in south australia that cares very much about sheep these days who's that someone that's you know after after 100 years or something the first time they've had sheep back on their farm it was a it was a social media tweet. One of the most important agriculturalists oh. in uh, South Australia. I won't mention him by by name, but oh, James, James Stacey, Eo. That's it. A um a guest on the on the podcast. He's um he's a he's a what is he a, a very um a commentator. Likeable, yeah, likable fellow, and we've had him on. I think. Once or what? twice now. I can't remember. Once only is it? Once, once only. We won't we won't bring him back. <clears throat> so. We met. We went to. Uh, he's, he's a he's a bully. Well, he's a bully. Went to went to, went to rural press club. Yep. And that was good fun. Yes. A lot of, lot of in, interesting things. Land price is never going to drop. <laughs> never. Gonna, mm. Never going to bring you down. I was going to put <laughs> okay. you up. Land prices are rising. <laughs> Land prices won't desert you. So. It was really interesting to listen to CBR and about their views that a lot of places around the country were undervalued. Still, yeah, correct. So, even, even despite what we've seen, um, yeah, and it was quite interesting to see the um, the kind of comparison to re- rainfall reliability to property price over over different parts of the country. Um, and, and some interesting of, stuff. And that's, I was talking to one of the guys when we were in Nell yesterday because said, "Oh, your land's undervalued." Yeah, and an agronomist there who was who gave a bit of a depressing sort of update. Uh, Nick Nick Zordon from SMS Rural. I invited him on the podcast. Yep. I know he listens to this podcast because he told me. Yeah. And uh, he's a bit nervous, and so I bet this podcast hasn't helped that anymore uh, about our our lack of professionalism. Hmm. So I guess without going into a singing chorus, just the two of us again. That's it. Making another podcast on the fly. We can do that. I think that's going to be the the <clears throat> intro music when when it's just you and I. When it's, just, when it's just a hookup when we you and I, you and I. Well, you gotta have fun in life. You gotta have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a quick market update, let people know what's happening. Yep. I think again, before we do it, I think everyone who's listened to this who hasn't listened to the last episode should jump on that last episode. Probably the last two episodes actually, especially with season mm. coming up. Uh, with Elena uh, definitely still safe, safe in yep. in overseas from, from Ukraine. Masha is Still safe in her town in Dnipro, so a lot yep. of people have been asking that. Uh, but yeah, really hard podcast to put together the other day. Like 
It was. It was. I'm still astounded by the courage. Astounded by the courage of all of the Ukrainian people, really. But um, yeah, it was a it was a good podcast, despite the emotion. Mm. Got to get the message out, especially these people, these people that seem to be pro-Russian at the moment. Mm. Idiota, as they say. Mm. Uh, so yeah, what do we want to talk about? Uh, livestock. It, the price-wise, it's been kind of not super exciting but the one thing i did look at uh during the week was actually the spreads between uh stock types i guess so um looking at comparing trade land values to trade steer values um which um we've had we've had kind of trade steer you know going back up about above a thousand cents in a carcass weight basis um into march and and with you know, a bit more of a supply of lambs coming on the market the trade lambs have kind of been pushing lower uh, bit by bit, and that's gone under 800 cents. So looking at the spread between the two, um, in, in actual cents per kilo terms, we've gone to the widest spread, uh, discount spread, trade lambs below trade steers that we've ever seen. But the thing you got to take into account, I guess, is um, you know when prices have gone up, as much as they've gone up across the last few decades, you're probably better to look at percentage spreads rather than actual cents per kilo spreads. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it, like it's like a 50 cent spread on a $5 or a 500 cent animal is the same as a hundred cent spread on a, on a $10 or, or a thousand cent animal. So, you know, that's why when you've got such a big movement in price, it's always good to look at the relative kind of percentage spread, but even that's at as long as you don't use a, a, a smooth line or a curved line. You're right. Yeah, but so, yeah, so, yeah, so, no. so, 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 lambs at discount. So, this is when you say trade lamb, yeah, like a, I'll be honest, I don't actually read your shit anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So, a trade lamb is what? That's kind of, well, it's a standard kind of. That's the one that's about to go into the abattoir. Yeah, pretty much it's at the weight that can go. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 food. it's, it's, it's food. Yeah. yeah. So, you're talking, food. so in terms of a carcass weight, you're talking about a 22 to 24 kilo lamb. Um, so that's after so, it's so you're, talk, you're talking apples for apples. You're talking the lamb that goes yeah, into, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, into the abattoir yeah. versus the cattle that goes into the abattoir, yeah? Uh, of that type. So the trade type. So it's, it's one, there could be, I mean, technically speaking, you could hold the lambs for a bit longer to get heavy lambs. And same with the trade steer, you could hold yeah, it longer. What, to what, get I, a what I mean is you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're talking apples for apples there. The same part of the supply chain, just about to go to the abattoir. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just to compare. Look, I did after this well, particular analysis. Pretty, 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 pretty much or not pretty much. No, they are. We're comparing like for like in terms right. of cattle, cattle to oh well. well be yeah. more, be more yeah, so be more confident in you. No, I'm just saying that um, that the you know I did look at that and then I compared heavy lamb to heavy steer. So again, comparing like for like, and they're all showing a similar type picture right, to so, varying so, degrees. So, but so, so lambs at a discount to beef. Yep, and in cents per kilo, a record I- one, and in percentage discount, the lowest it's been since the early 2000s. <laughs> Uh, about a 22% discount. So what it's basically saying is that either lambs are undervalued relative to steers or steers are overvalued relative to lamb, which way you want to look at it. And that could be part of the reason why um, we're seeing those really clever operators in South Australia, you know, all of a sudden bringing bringing sheep back into their equation. Hmm. So that means I'm going to have to sort of stop eating lamb and just switching back to beef. Otherwise, you know, I have reduced my beef intake in the last. You have, particularly burgers. Because I cannot touch a burger still. I cannot look at a burger without feeling like I'm going to vomit. So, 
You so, might have to you might have to switch right across. You might have to switch right across to fake meat, Andrew. Not that they have any meat it's anymore. Nice. It's just it's just it's just the idea of it because of a food poison I had. I don't even think it was the beef. Mm. Uh, but going yeah. but going on to so that means right undervalued relative value. We talk about that all the time. Relative value between two yep. things. Yep. So mm-hmm. does that mean that investors should be looking at lamb over over cattle with a view that lamb will rise because obviously at the moment we've got food inflation and we've got lack of supply yeah mm. so at the moment does that mean that you know lamb will rise to meet the gap or cattle will fall to meet the gap or both or, or is that the question yeah or both i mean look at the end of the day it, 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 like you're saying it's a relative type measure but just to give i mean it's hard to see without looking at the actual historic chart but to give you an idea of where it's where it's been ranging over the last you know two decades, it's pretty much been from you know since about the early two thousands, it's been at about a, from a twenty cent discount to about a sixty cent premium. Oh, sorry, sixty percent to a twenty percent. All right, so is what um, the normal range has been, and we're now at twenty two percent discount. So we're kind of beyond what's you know pretty much normal and and down those low areas. So you've got to think that the chances of um, you know, cattle continuing to push higher, uh, you know, at a faster rate than than lamb is yeah, but, but, le- but, less likely. But cattle could stay the same, and then lamb catch up. Yeah, lamb could recover. Yeah, exactly. So what, what, or so I mean, what's the, what's the odds? Well, I think it's I think it's you know a, a betting person looking at this. A betting person would be saying, well, you know, lambs lambs a good value purchase. Right. If you think, and if and if you, I mean, obviously, for some for some operators, they have a preference for an animal, <laughs> irrespective of the values. But some people just don't like running running sheep, I guess. But if you if you're the type of person that's happy to look at either, and or you, you know, you've got both cattle and sheep on your on your farm, and you could you know you can change your ratio to to suit whatever you think is the best options. I, I think you'd, considering lamb as an option, I think is a good play. See what happens, or more you likely, yeah. more, you, likely you, more likely, lamb's going to increase a bit and cattle's going to fall a bit. Potentially, potentially, or lambs could increase a lot and cattle won't do anything at all, just go sideways, or you know, cattle could fall and lamb could just hold their value now from here in for a bit. But either way, you look at it too. When you start to look at the longer term fundamentals out to the next few years, I think the situation for, for the sheep industry has has more positive underlying fundamentals as well. In terms, of when you look at the bigger picture of supply and demand. Hmm. What else happening? What about pigs? Uh, oh, it, mate, everyone should be in pigs. I think they're fantastic. Invest, investment. invest in pigs. Get in pigs. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can't get into pigs, no, we should just do. use buy the manure, buy the manure. Because we're planning on potentially putting that in the market in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just to concentrate on some other sort of stuff we're doing at the moment. We should get our other director on, and the three of us should have a chat about um, the the, uh, the benefits the, the of the pig, pig industry. The pig industry. So maybe maybe mm-hmm. if, if Robert's listening to this one, Robert Herman, uh, you know, give yep. us a shout, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 arrange a time that we can do a podcast together. It'll be a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, and what about uh, are you going to go and give us an update on uh, all the exciting things that are happening internationally in grain markets and everything else? Look, I think the the big thing at the moment with grains is everyone's talking about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And that's clearly the biggest driver of the market by by and large. And, and we've been saying for a long time that the bulk, and it's obvious, you don't have to be an analyst to know that the bulk of the grain price rise is is uh, attributed directly to ukraine uh, that's just that is what it is but i think there's other creeping things in the background as well that are coming through 
Uh, mm. I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but uh, China, a Chinese ag minister came out and said, this is the worst winter wheat con- crop we've had in history. Uh, that's peculiar. It's peculiar behavior, isn't it? Because the Chinese generally, like well, you think that it's they not, would be... It's not, it's not standard behavior because there's a, there's a no. tendency for, if they say it's a good crop, you think it's a bad crop. So I thought, you know, my, my first thing thinks would be, if they say it's a bad crop, it's a really bad crop. And when the prices prices are already at record highs and looking to push higher and they're coming out and adding to fuel to the fire to a degree of yeah, potentially well, who, making them go... Look, who knows? This is a thing. China is an enigma wrapped inside a mystery, wrapped inside a box of chocolates. I think that's the saying. Mm, um, yeah. So, like I've, I've heard people saying, um, oh, it's because they want to drive up the market and destabilize the world by increasing food prices. And, well, okay, well, that's a long shot. Who knows? Uh, I've also heard that it's just the fact that they've had, you know, their winter crop is the majority of their wheat. Uh, they had flooding. That's reduced acres. Not necessarily, I heard some people saying it's, oh, the yields look fine because they've had plenty of moisture, but it's the acres that's the problem, not the not the production. Look, so, so that's one thing uh, looming. The other thing is, uh, what's it called? The Yanks. Uh, drought maps are showing that a lot of their winter wheat areas are oh, yeah. dry. Uh, the first sort of uh, condition reports are coming out at the moment. Uh, still way too early. It's only the southern states, Texas, and all those type of ones, uh, showing a pretty pretty bad uh, production compared to, or pretty bad ratio of good to excellent um, that they've had compared to last year. I think the important thing is still way too early to write off the Yanks because plenty of time left, and it will be just interesting to keep a real close eye on that. I think the same as well with uh, our you know, friends above the border in, in Canada. Canada, yeah. You know, we, 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 we talked about this all last year, and it seems like this has come back up again. Uh, Saskatchewan has, look, moisture levels are, are pretty pretty average. Uh, it's not showing a trend, uh, as, uh, as uh, we put a chart up yesterday, and we got a bit of flack for putting a, a curved line instead of a straight line, but to be honest, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm happy with the way it is. Uh, but, but the reality is that the moisture levels are creeping down, a little bit, uh, but they didn't have much moisture last year, so there's not much left in the bank, so to speak. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens in the next four months, next three months. That will make or break the Canadian crop. And as we know, oil seeds are ultra tight. Uh, well, everything's ultra tight, but mm. oil seeds especially, uh, which could, again, more fireworks. If US has a bad crop, Canada's a bad crop in, in any commodity almost. Big fireworks, and and people are saying, "Well, it's market's crazy just now." Wait till you have a northern hemisphere uh, issue disaster this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is 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 interesting that uh, barley barley is a big performer. You know, when, when we we know that our prices are lagging the rest of the world by massive amount, and uh, the reality of it is that uh, barley has been the best performer when we look at it from like the, the start of the year or pre-invasion. The difference in price that barley showed the strongest percentage-wise. Um, if you're, uh, if you're, obviously canola is more cash, but percentage-wise, as we yeah. see, sometimes you look at percentages, it's shown the best return uh, in in that sort of pre-invasion and start and also start of the year. But interesting enough, if, we, sorry, mate. 
If you're a betting man, uh, which I know you sometimes are, you like I'm to. Never, you know, I'm, not, I'm never a betting man. Well, you know, you sometimes will try and it's force not, me into making a bet with you. That's not. It's not. A bet when you, it's not a bet when you win. It's just a yeah. prophecy. Okay. Well, um, with what's happening then in China in terms of you know issues around their own production and what's happened in Ukraine and Russia with regards to limitations on barley, what what do you reckon the chances are really about the Chinese considering re you know returning to the Australian barley situation? Okay, and, I guess. And I guess. We are, we are, let's say, we are men of logic, and, and we think people should do things a logical way. <laughs> you wouldn't think about it if you heard the. If you, if you want, if you want, if you don't listen to the podcast, and you read some of our stuff, you probably think we are people of logic, which we are people of logic. Well, if you came and, into the pod, if you came into the podcast now, it might seem like we're quite logical. But if you started the podcast at the beginning with the singing, you'd probably think. Well, if you started a podcast at the beginning, you probably wouldn't be at this point of the podcast. You'd probably have ended it after ten seconds. But, <laughs> but bearing in mind, going back to the the Chinese, um, we said it before: a uh, fifty plus percent of the world's explorable surplus of barley is at risk in terms of not being able to they can't access us they can't really not the volumes of previously into ukraine and uh, russia uh, so that's why we see the likes of france like france's barley price our barley price really follows one another really pretty close and then you've got this month when it's fantastic for us 15 percent or so give or take um increase in barley price but it's like 40 percent in france Again, one of the main countries that is putting volume into China. But in terms of China, absolutely, they should. They should, if they knew what was right for them and knew it was right for their people, they would be uh, coming to the table and saying, right, guys, uh, look, uh, let's, 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 let's have a bit of a chit-chat. Let's have a chin-wag and let's get some of your barley into the country. And it would reduce the cost that they've got, and it would, you know, potentially give us a little upkick in price. Do you I'm, want to put a number? Uh, like, a, a number? A thirty percent chance? A fifty percent chance? A seventy percent um, chance? Or... Definitely, it's a um. hundred. It is definitely, absolutely, a higher chance chance than zero, mm. and a lower chance than a hundred percent chance. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere in between definite. And not at all. Fair enough. So there you go. There's a definite another answer. one of your another one of your accurate prophecies. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely, at some point, China will import Australian barley at some point hmm. in the next with, um, in the all, next I mean, thousand the years. <laughs> Working with you over the years, I have to say, um, this is a, a compliment, like coming from my background in markets. Working with you, Andrew, I've, I've not met you know someone that isn't classically trained in economics that has such a good view. You know, speak for yourself. A, a, good, I, a good ability, a good, a, I, a good ability I, I to, to, you know, to predict. You know, do you know something? You don't have to mm-hmm. be classically trained in economics. No, you don't. No, you if, don't. But what I'm saying if is... If you were born you, between the border at Gretna and John O'Groats, mm-hmm. If you're born between John O'Groats and Dumfries right, yeah. stroke Gretna, you already have an inbuilt knowledge of economics. Well, because economics was invented by the Scots, Adam Smith. I know that. Well, you know, 
I know amongst, the, amongst, uh, amongst other things. But what I was going to say is the including, predictive including, power including, show, including the header. Well, yeah, it's quite easy. The predictive, predictive. It, 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 predictive power is easy if you say between 100% and zero chance. Of course it is. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. The, the, predict, the predictive power you show is remarkable, I just want to say, and I want to compliment you on it. And I think I might start refer to, I might refer to you now as Nostradamus, is it? Or, I was going to, or is it refer to you, I was going to refer to you as Nostradamus. So, Dumbass. Uh, see, you thought you could get that joke in. You thought, thought you know, got to wake up a lot earlier than dumbass. me to get that one across. Yeah, got to wake up a lot. Uh, you know. Uh, anyway, I spent too long in a car with you, so I'm ending this now with with uh, oh fertilizer actually, fertilizer. Yep. Uh, guess what? Fertilizer has gone up in price. Guess what? It's probably going to be passed on instantly to you. Even even the stocks that, funnily enough, were already in store in Australia. Mm. That's how it goes. And fuel. Yep. That, that was a big one we were talking about because remember the good old days. Remember the good <laughs> old days <laughs> yep. when you used to yep. pay 180 cents a litre. You know, the good old days four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to those days coming back when we're paying the 100th decile for uh, for fuel at 180. But I think mean, it sort of worked exactly what we said, didn't it? Uh, well, I, I was I, always... Like, go, go, go back to markets, yeah. One of the things I think mm -hmm. with markets and what I like about markets is how simple they actually are. You don't have to make some colourful chart with 10,000 colours and six boxes and, you know, stir it up in a paint pot and then you've got a chart. It's just simple simplicity logic as well isn't it and mm -hmm. and and we said sort of the the market is is following that crude oil price like the terminal price at, at melbourne perth darwin whatever else falls it to a pretty pretty strong sort of level when you lag it basically if crude oil falls by eight percent the diesel price will fall by a similar sort of number about within a week about a week mm -hmm. later and again mm -hmm. we're starting to see that we saw crude oil price fail last week diesel price is falling around the country this week to a similar sort of level. The only problem is that I hope that isn't working. I hope it does start to sort of collapse that relationship because we've actually seen crude oil prices rising up again. So we'll probably start to see whilst the diesel price I'm paying just now is less than it was last week, we might start to see that creep back up again. So it's just dependent on, and we all know how much tax we pay, and that's, that's irrelevant. It's the price we actually pay is, is the relevant part. And, and the reality is crude oil is driving that. And uh, we will see what happens in about the next week or so. And we need Putin, well, we need Putin to stop invading so that fertilizer price drops and the diesel price drops. When I, when I first moved to you know, country setting and got some property, one of the advice I got given from a, a person that has been in that space already, he said, he said um, just don't buy your kids horses because you'll they cost a fortune and you'll never be able to you know, recoup. Uh, the not not run. not now, not now. Well, send a, look send who's laughing kids, now. Send, send the kids off to school on the horse. That's it. Look who's laughing now. All those horse owners that have been forking out thousands, you know, for the stables and the gear and the feed and everything else. Now they're now they've just got a, a environmentally efficient mode of transport that doesn't cost them an arm and they've, and anymore. They've got, and they've got you know a few shovel loads of fertilizer every week. Yeah. Look so at they that. Can, they can you feed know? the veggies. That's it. Right. Oh, well, let's let's finish up there. We've sort of covered off the big things. I think it's the thing for me at the moment in the grain market is I was saying to somebody the other day, 
is that we're in a period where usually it's boring as batshit. Uh, there's a lot happened already, and it's it's going to be like this all year. This, I don't think we're going to see see a, a night when we're not seeing sort of uh, interesting stuff happening because mm. there's just too much already happened that's having flow-on effects to everything else. Uh, so it's going to be ultra exciting. I think uh, people, a lot of people are scared of volatility. And I've, and I've heard a lot of people saying that volatility is not good for things, but it does provide opportunities. Volatility is equal opportunities. And, and keep an eye on the market and do what you can do, bearing in mind production risk and whatnot. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the merry-go-round versus the roller coaster, isn't it? You know, merry-go-round's nice and simple and it just goes round, round, round. But the fun stuff is when you're, um, you know, you're going up and up and down and riding uh, the highs. You, you can be boring. Working through have, the lows. You, you can have vanilla ice cream or you can have raspberry ripple. What do you want? Right, well, let's leave it there. All right, see you when you've got nothing on. Ciao for now.